Welcome to the Black Sheep, the storytelling family. Story, story, late night, where you hear true stories on a theme, recorded live on stage and without notes. I'm the slammer that just missed sharing my story, Amelia Tiedemann. On this podcast, we get into your pants with stories on the theme, Pants, recorded live at the Visual Arts Collective in Garden City, Idaho, on July 25th, 2017. It's the slam from the second show in our late night season, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. We randomly drew names and they made a real hot mess of it on our stage for a five minute story. Except me. I just got to come up and read this intro. It's story time. Let's hear Ryan! I did not come here intending to tell a story, and it's been 15 years since I told this one, so let's see how it goes. Um, and this is a no-pants story. And after you hear this story, you have to understand that this is chapter one. This actually happened to me twice in my life. Chapter two is about 10 years later, uh, which we'll wait for another time. So chapter one, I'm 22 years old. I just moved to New York City. It was the time when New York was shitty. Nothing worked. Uh, People lived in boxes on every corner. That's relevant in the story, but that's the time. It wasn't glamour time. 1983. I moved there in January. The only people I know are the people I'm working with. It's now early June. Still, the only people I know are the people I work with. It's a weeknight, and I'm in uh, a tenement walk-up, three floors. This is my apartment. It's a studio, cockroach-infested, um, but it's what I could afford. And I'm on, if you know Manhattan, I'm on uh, 82nd between York and East End, so all the way out to East River. All right, two in the morning, my buzzer starts ringing in my apartment, and uh, I don't sleep in any clothes since age maybe 10 or 12, similar to the prior storyteller. And uh, I think, oh, this is somebody who, you know, it's a friend of mine from work who's in trouble. I got to wake up and and figure out what's going on. My intercom only works uh, from the street up and not me down to the street. Uh, No, other way around, sorry. So I can talk down, but I can't hear what's coming up. So I've got no idea who's at, at the front door. So I put a towel around me and I walk down to the foyer, and it's just, there's a outside door and an inside door and a shitty little space in between with the mailboxes. Yeah, you got it. And uh, so this woman, I don't know, is in the foyer, standing to the inside door, which is locked, buzzing my apartment. So I open up the door, and I'm like, what's going on? She's drunk, and she's looking for a friend who's like one block away, my same place, but one block away. So I tell her, you know, you gotta go down here, make a right, make a right, and she's not getting it because she's drunk. So I walk out to the street with her and I say, you gotta go down here and then go right and go right. Yeah, some of you, you're a smart crowd. (laughs) And she's with a boyfriend in a car and it's like this gangster looking black uh, Continental, Lincoln Continental, you know, but not glamorous, shitty old flat black kind of looking thing. She's sort of gothy, you know, and before that was cool. It was just dangerous. So she goes away, and and I go back to my apartment, and of course, I get through the outside door, but not the inside door, it's locked. And I only know one person in the building, right above me, it's an old lady, so I buzz her, and I'm talking up to her, but she can't hear me, I'm hearing her back. Everything's broken at this time in New York. So she's saying, go away. She doesn't know who I am, because she can't hear me. She says, go away, go away, I'll call the police. 
and I'm just there naked with a towel, and I'm thinking, it's not New York cops, you know, this is, I don't want that ha to happen. <laughs> so I had previously been kind of fantasizing as I looked at these tenement buildings with the fire escapes that came down, you know, like I could climb the building and, and leap onto the fire escape. I, I actually thought about that. So I did that in reality. <laughs> I scaled the building high enough to get to the bottom rung of the fire escape and leap out and spin around and do this athletic move. And I got it, and I was like, whoa, holy shit, I just did that. And I'm now way up in the air, and I have a fear of heights. And I was like, oh, man. Th that was really the first time I was fully awake. And I, so then I just was committed, and I climbed up the fire escape. I was third level. And... Uh, my towel fell off, of course, in, in the initial rung or two. So I'm naked, and I get up to my level. And I realized I, I had envisioned my fire escape. I had two windows. One had an uh, air conditioner unit, you know, like bolted in. And the fire escape only accessed that, that one window. So I couldn't open the window. And there was nothing on my fire escape and nothing on the fire escapes below me to break a window. So I was going to have to bust it with my fist or something. And I thought, I'm going to cut my jugular and die up here. You know, it's all bad. And then around comes that same, you know, menacing Lincoln and stops in front of the building again. And now this is New York. Everything's lit up like I am on stage all 24-7, you know. So I'm under bright lights naked on the fire escape. She gets out, and she's like drunk and scanning. And, and sure enough, she lands on me and points. And her boyfriend comes out. Now they're both pointing at me and laughing or talking or whatever. And I'm just terrified. It's like, if you've never been like, in public naked, I'd recommend it at one point in your life. <laughs> so they then get in the car and they drive away and I'm like, oh my God, I can't, I've been seen, you know, and that just changes everything. I'm truly naked in New York City, this can't happen. So I go down to the bottom of the fire escape and I swing like Tarzan and because I'm right over the entrance steps to the building and if I just drop straight down, I'd be on steps and I'd break my leg, you know, those. So I do this little Tarzan thing and leap out to the fire escape or to the uh, sidewalk and do a parachute roll and manage not to break anything. I'm doing all this naked just to get to my towel. And then I'm like, oh, I got my towel. And then I'm right back where I started from, you know, I'm no closer to getting inside the building. So my superintendent lived, because uh, I'm on, on 82nd between York and East End, my super lived on Madison and 86th. So I had to cross uh, Lexington and big ass streets, right? In my towel at two in the morning or whatever it was. She's coming, okay. So I, there's no quiet time. After hours clubs, cars 12 deep, I get to my super, I get the key, I come back. Oh my God. And uh, I let myself in. I crash, go to sleep immediately because I'm so worn out this all took like two hours. I wake up in the morning to my alarm, and I think, what a crazy dream. And I look down at my hands, and they're grease from the fire escape, and my feet are black, and my towel's right next to my bed. It actually happened. <laughs> End of chapter one. Everyone, let's hear it one more time for Pete. Is this a good size for you? Good, like, height? Are you good? Uh, thank you, Minerva. I'm gonna start in four and a half minutes. I want her to come back. So, no, <clears throat> so uh, I was sitting here earlier and um, always love it when people come up and thinking, well, I don't really have a story about pants. 
And then Jody started talking about shit in his pants, and I was like, oh wait, I know a lot about that. Uh, but not, not so much for me. For me, I know a little bit about that, but this is more about, um, I've got these two roommates. Uh, they're a lot younger. They're actually my sons. Um, uh, the, the associates, I like to call them, they're my, they're my boss. And um, as you know, little people shit themselves all the time. And so Silas is now five, Casper's three, and they're getting better. Casper definitely shits like every four days and it's pretty much in his pants. Um, but rewind to about five years ago when, when Silas was born, um, well, he was, that's the only place he shit. Um, but I, I always kind of have like songs in my head, like I'll just, whatever it is, I'll, I'll make up lyrics in my head and they usually stay there. And they sound great to me, but they usually stay there. But I couldn't help it, like when, when we had our son, I was like just singing all this stuff about him. And um, one of the songs, like I think the first one that I actually wrote in my head was about him shitting his pants. Um, and so I would sing it kind of around the house a lot, and um, it so happens I've got a, we've got a great friend who produces pop music. Um, and we talked to him, and we were like, I've got all these crazy songs in my head, and it'd be kind of cool to put to music, and he's like, he was all about it. So we happened to be in Vegas and happened to spend a couple days in his studio um, recording some songs about having babies, and... Um, made an album, which was great. Um, so I'm gonna give you a little bit of that tonight. It's not, it's, it sounds like, in my head I sound great, and when I'm highly produced by a professional pop music producer, I, I really sound great. Um, kind of like Hasselhoff-ish. Yeah, it's got kind of a Euro upbeat. Um, but the first song, um, it came to me when I was changing Silas one day, and I was like, all right, I am DJ Diaper. This is, this is who I am now. So I assumed the role of DJ Diaper, and I kind of came up with these lyrics as I'm changing Silas's pants. And I realized, well, this is more than just poopy diapers. This is like a classic story of good versus evil. And it was <laughs> dirty pants versus clean pants. So. DJ Diaper needed an alter ego, and so I'm also MC Fresh Pants. So, um, well, the album, shameless plug, DJ Diaper, My Lady Pumps, um, is primarily, mostly about my wife's breasts. Um, their ability to produce copious amounts of milk and keep small children alive. Not just our children, mind you, many, Many children in the North End dipped into our freezer in the garage, but <clears throat> that's, that's, for, that's for milk night. This is pants night, so. <clears throat> D, DJ Diaper versus MC Fresh Pants was kind of just the classic, like I say, good versus evil, and um, I'm gonna give you just a little bit. I would, I would love to put you on the spot and like have a slow, oh, I can't play shit. I'm, I'm just, but like, if I could get like a simple drum, like a dun dun, dun, dun I'll sound so much better even with just a drum. Yeah. 
It starts with a grumble deep down in your belly The next thing you know, your pants are kinda smelly You try to ignore me, pretend I'm not there But you can't contain me in some underwear And your pants couldn't get much riper, 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 riper. Mom MC Fresh Pants, keeping up with one glance, keeping down the mom rants, looking for some romance. M MC Fresh Pants has a falsetto, it's kind of hard to. I'm gonna fix you up downstairs. If a rash Everglades, baby, come and see me, I'll rub a little AD. That's all I'm gonna grace you with, because like I said, it's better, it's better in my head. Let's get Aaron up here. Okay, that's why I wore my jogging pants. I'm gonna go fast. Um, first, I have to ask: Was there anybody here who was taking French at BSU in 1996? Oh, good, good. No hands. All right. So I was student teaching in 1996 at BSU, and um, I was super intense about it. It was my senior year, so I was also trying to graduate and holding down two other jobs. I was super stressed out, running around all the time. And um, like, like another story we heard tonight, I was like gaining weight from being stressed. I didn't have time to get new clothes, so I was starting to dig in my mom's closet, and she had all these track suits from the 80s. Like 1989, so like, you know, it was within 10 years and I was just like, okay, I'm wearing these neon tracksuits and I'm teaching class because I had no shame, I just had to get it done. And um, so I was wearing the, the pink and aqua ones that, that one day, it was matching, you know, zipper jacket and then the pants and then it goes the shoo, 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 when you walk around, shoo, shoo. So I'm teaching, it's a good day, like that my students are feeling positive about we're going into finals and they're not panicking anymore. So I'm feeling good about it, I'm writing on the board, there's a lot of turning your back to the audience uh, or, or the, the classroom and writing and a lot of shoo, 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 and uh, je m'appelle and you know all that stuff, having everybody repeat. And I felt like it went pretty well. And then, and then I had my final right after that class. So I'm booking it shoo, 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 down the hall. And um, so you have to forgive a lot of things because it was the 90s. Uh, there were some track suits around still. Also, like I had to hit the bathroom before the test. And um, I, I remember a technique. I don't know if anybody else was doing it then. Uh, hovering, if you don't want to put your butt on the seat. So I don't think we do that anymore, but like I'm usually in there alone, so I'm just judging by what I hear later. So I think at the time that was a thing, so I don't know why there were no seat covers, so I was just doing the hovering thing over the seat. And um, I'm hovering, I have to demonstrate. And I'm looking down at my neon pink and aqua pants, and uh, through them, I'm looking at the floor because they're completely wide open all down the seam of the butt. <laughs> and uh, my boyfriend's here, he hasn't heard the story. <laughs> and so, well, <laughs> when you get surprised, if you're in this position, so then I had two problems because I peed on my pants. My, my, my ripped hole in the pants are also my pee pants and I had a final to go to right after that. Also, the teacher of the class of the final was also my boss for the class that I taught 
and I was trying to get a, uh, an adjunct faculty position after I graduated that spring. And I had a little punctuality problem, so it was like, it was tenuous. I wasn't sure if that was going to happen or not. But uh, I couldn't miss my final, so I just, you know, pulled my pants back up and to class. I got there. I was late because things had happened. So the last seat available, it was like senior French classes. You just sit in a circle because they don't have a lot of people who get that far in French because they're not interested. So there's like... <laughs> 15 kids in that class all in a circle taking an exam and the teacher sits with you and that's how those classes go So the last seat is always the one next to the teacher my boss So I go over to that seat. I sit down and I reek like piss and uh, I took that test as fast as I could and I'd say I aced that test. I aced that class my students came in above average. They were like, had a B average in the class. So, you know, I, so I did good, but I did not get that position. But all I have to say is, not every candidate has every quality. You know, I got it done, but some people might, you know, be late and piss their pants occasionally. I do have to say, I went over to Oregon and they hired me just fine, because, you know, Oregon's cool <laughs> with a lot of stuff. Gwen, come on up. So, I was in the Peace Corps in East Africa, so I've definitely destroyed some pants. But this isn't about that. This is actually a story about my mom, who's sitting right over there on the edge. Um, <laughs> she wouldn't want to tell it, so I decided I would. Um, every maybe five years, my family saves up all our money to try and do a big trip in another country. And so, in 2009, we went to Nepal and we hiked the Everest Base Camp Trail. Uh, so that was a couple weeks of hiking and we had made it to the base camp um, and we're on our way down and we're still pretty high elevation, like no trees, nothing, really no villages even around then. Um, but we stopped, there's a little hut and we stopped for lunch one day and um, we'd been hiking for about two weeks or so and there's a little outhouse there and my mom went out to the outhouse and we hear screaming and then we hear, as my mom is quite the cusser, like, motherfucker, Jesus Christ. And she's like, we, we kind of run out there not knowing what had happened. And if any of you have ever been to an outhouse in a rural part of a developing country, you might visualize this. If not, Imagine like really jagged metal pieces put together and a cobbled together board on the floor. And in this particular one, the door opened inwards and then the hole, there's no seat, it's just a hole. And you have to like squat over the hole. But this hole was a giant hole, like really huge hole. And so when you, she went in there did her thing, like really wide stance, but then when she went to go out, she opened the door, stepped back, in <laughs> to the outhouse. That is at what point we hear the cussing. <laughs> I can see you. <laughs> and also, not only is there the bad in, but there's a lot of bad on the floor which she caught herself on, on her arms. 
so the her rest of her was in the outhouse and this isn't just pooping your own pants with your own poop it's everybody else's poop on your pants <laughs> so she was able to lift herself out of the crawled back out hands and knees onto the poop poop and pee and frozen and wet and just you have no idea how some of these outhouses can be and gets out and is just a, just a spew of vocabulary like you would never dream your mother could say. Um, <laughs> but there's nowhere to change. There's nowhere to wash. There's no water. There's no soap. So we continue hiking for the rest of the day in her poop pants. And her, I think somebody had some hand sanitizer. We were like, like feeding her snacks because she couldn't touch anything. And she was so pissed off because she just bought this pair of pants. Exactly. Like, and these are expensive pants. Like, she's going to Nepal, you know, you go to the outdoor store, it's like $120 pants, you know. They're, and she just bought them, they're brand new. And she was like, when we finally got to where we were staying that night, she takes them off. We were all just dying all day long. Um, but she like, what are you going to do with the pants? Well, most people would be like, I'm throwing these pants away. Well, really, there's no trash cans, but they were brand new pants. And she's like, I'm not wasting my fucking pants. These are brand new pants. So what we did is somebody had a plastic bag. So she folds and rolls her poop pants. They can't be washed, like into a plastic bag and seals them put some in our backpack. We have like another week of hiking. They're just stewing, just stewing in there. Then we fly to Kathmandu, but nobody wants to open these pants. And you're not going to make another work. There's not like laundromats, or at least back then there weren't. So you're not going to make somebody hand wash up poop pants. So it's like, keep them in the bag. Then they fly back to the US in her bag. And then she has, so then it's like, by the time we got, it's weeks and weeks that they've been sealed in this bag. Just of, I, I actually, I don't think I saw it because I wondered if there was stuff growing. <laughs> it was, but she still, then she washed them and she still wears those pants. Let's hear for our slammer of shame, Susie Chester. Okay, so about two or three months ago, I was sitting on the couch next to my husband. He's watching TV, and I'm only partially paying attention to what's going on. I'm much more interested in the conversation um, that I'm having on the phone with my brother and my sister. My brother's from down in Texas. My sister's up in Washington, and we all have iPhones, so we're... Uh, <laughs> So we are, uh, we're we've got a chat and we're just chatting back and forth. My brother's about ready to take uh, this big trip down to South America to see his girlfriend and beforehand he's going to be taking a road trip. So there's all this stuff that we all are chatting about and talking about. And after a while I get bored with the conversation and I put the phone down. Uh, and I should probably tell you, uh, my phone, when I get a text, it laughs. And it's the Minions laugh, you know, from Despicable Me. So some people, when they hear it, they immediately think it's creepy. And then I tell them it's just, you know, it's the Minions. And they're like, oh, how cute. But for my phone, I put it down and I'm ignoring it. And then all of a sudden it laughs. And it laughs. 
and it laughs, and it laughs, and it laughs, and it laughs, and I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so I pick up my phone, and I haven't quite turned it on. You know, it's not awake yet. It's, it, you can just see like a glimpse of some of the uh, texts that I've got. And I can read on it. It says, oh my God, don't open it. Don't open the post. Don't, whatever you do, don't read it. And it's from my sister, and I'm thinking, what? Like, and so I swipe on it, and it automatically opens up the text that uh, my sister and my brother and I have all been sharing. And lo and behold, there in all its glory uh, or horror would be uh, a dick pic. It is... <laughs> It's my first dick pic, and it's from my brother. So my natural instinct, my natural reaction is to scream as loud as I can and throw my phone at my husband. You know, and he picks it up thinking, what the hell? And, you know, he looks at it, and his first words out of his mouth is, what an asshat. And he, he deletes the picture, hands the phone back to me. My sister calls. And, you know, I answer the phone. I'm like, what the hell? And her reaction is, why did you open it? Why did you open it? Why didn't you listen to me? And I'm like, Laura, you said don't open the post. And she was like, of course, don't open the post. And I'm like, no, a post is from Facebook. This is a text. And she's like, I don't know anything about phones. I just got my phones. You can't expect this. Why did you open it? And so we're screaming back and forth at each other. My husband's sitting next to me. He's shaking his head thinking, again, what an asshat. And <laughs> my sister and I, she is, she's, she's getting, starting to get that hysterical laugh. You know, when you're really, really uncomfortable and you don't know what else to do, you just kind of, you know, do that. <laughs> and that's literally all she can do because she has nothing. She, she can't say anything else. She, didn't, she just doesn't know what to do. So we both decide we're going to ignore that this has ever happened. Neither of us ever, ever, ever need to remember the day that my brother sent a picture without his pants when it was intended for someone else and not us. So that's my story, short and sweet. There you go. Thanks for listening. Story Story Late Night is brought to you by our story party. Amy Moran, Karis Kimball, Hannah Mae Schaefer, Karen Moore, Bob Haycock, and me, Jody Eichelberger. This project is supported by public funding for the arts through the Idaho Commission on the Arts, the Idaho Legislature, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our season sponsor, Over 19 Adult Shop, and the Pants Show sponsor, the Story Story Night Board of Directors. The Story Story Late Night theme song is by Ned Evett, with podcast production by Stephen Baldessari, featuring live music from Pure Ivy. Support the storied program, find upcoming shows, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on SoundCloud, Facebook, and Twitter at Story Story Night.